0: What does your name mean? What does your name mean? You see, names have power. I live in South Louisiana, so I know people named Mookie. I I, I was raised in Fifth Ward of Houston, so I know people named Skookie. I've been to St. Martinville, and so I know T-Boy, T-Roy. I... I I know, I mean, you you could just go down the list, T-Boy, T-Roy, T-Woman, T, T I mean, all of these different names and and nicknames, and, and, and you know people that are named Skinny, and you know people that are named Chunky, and you know people, all of these different names. What's your name? What's your nickname? What's the people that, if someone says they know you, they would call you by this name? Well, names matter because over the course of a lifetime, you're going to be called your name more than two million times. Well, what if the name you've been given is not one that is very flattering? What if it's someone that names you that as an insult? What does your real name mean? How many of you know what your real name means? How many of you know what your real name means? Well, okay. Well, what does what does what's your name, Mike? What does Mike mean? All right. It means Mike. All right, how many of you know, is there anyone who knows, what, 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 Eva, what does your name mean? It means, li, it means life giver. All right, that's great. Anybody know? Okay, what, what, yes, what does your name mean, Mel? What's your name mean? Huh? Pretty in Spanish. Okay, but good for all the Spanish people that know her. Get. My name is Jacob Thomas. Jacob means deceiver and Thomas means doubter. So what else could I become but a preacher? <laughs> you say, Pastor, why is that so important? Because names have power. Names tell who you are. Names define you. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 13, and I want to set up the backdrop for you, Jesus is walking with the disciples that have been with him now almost three years. And they're going to a region called Caesarea Philippi. And while they're there, in the backdrop is a large temple where people are going to worship in that there are a thousand different gods set up in. So whatever god you wanted to worship, you went in there and there was one of those, whichever one you called on. And Jesus is standing there with his disciples and he looks at them and he begins this encounter that picks up in Matthew 16, 13. And when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples saying, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Some say, they responded, that you are who? John the Baptist. Now this is interesting because John the Baptist was Jesus' first cousin and he was dead. So why would people think that Jesus was John the Baptist? John the Baptist was a preacher of repentance who was the forerunner of Jesus And one day while he was preaching, so many people were coming out to hear him that Herod came out, the ruler. And when he came, he had his slash wife, a.k.a. his brother's wife. Okay? We we used to call that nasty. Now we call that normal. Let me say it one more time because it's been a while since I preached here. We used to call someone who was with their brother's wife nasty. Now we call that normal. God still calls it sin. (laughs) Nasty might be the new normal for media, Instagram, Facebook, or even the local television station, but it hasn't changed in God's eyes. And it's not a sin because it hurts God, it's a sin because it hurts you. See, people are foolish enough to think, well, God just goes around saying that's wrong because he doesn't want us to do this. Listen, God designed us to live according to his word. And when you break God's commandments, you don't break the commandments, you break yourself. Every day when you see all of these people who are rich and famous and have this and that and the other and they're movie stars and music stars and billionaires and billionaires and then they kill themselves. Do you know why they kill themselves? Because they have the resources to be able to do whatever they want and to their surprise it doesn't make you free. It makes you miserable. When you break God's law, you don't break God's word. You break your life apart. Life becomes unlivable. That's not my message, but it was a good place to start. (laughs) So he says, some say you're John the Baptist. Well, John the Baptist saw Herod come out with his brother's wife, and Herod was there to listen to him and, 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 you know, John the Baptist wasn't real concerned about what people thought about him. And so he said, hey, I'm glad that you came out here, Herod. And so he, he, he looks over him and he says, hey, and that woman you are with, she's not your wife. That's your brother's wife. And what you're doing is wrong. And from that moment on, Herod was first afraid of him. But this adulterous relationship was, he was in, she hated John. Not long after that, Herod was throwing a party. Everybody was drinking, it was a Cajun festival. The daiquiri drive through was open. You know those daiquiris you can't drink till you're 21, but you could buy at 18? So I know what all of y'all did. You, you, you bought them and took them home and put them in the refrigerator for three years, right? Oh, sure you did. Come on, I know you. You wouldn't do nothing illegal. And, and, and so, I mean, everybody was drinking, and, and, and this adulterous woman, her daughter, jumped up, and in front of all of Herod's friends at a party, did a striptease. Herod was so enthralled that he looked at her, and he said, I'll give you anything you want, up to half of my kingdom. And she reaches over and she says, Mama, what do I ask for? And her mama said, ask for the head of John the Baptist on a silver platter. So she asked for the head of John the Baptist on the silver platter. And even though Herod didn't want to, he'd already given his word. So he'd already imprisoned him for the way he was preaching. And so he took him and he beheaded him and brought his head back on a silver platter. Well, many of the people believed that the spirit that was on John the Baptist was now resurrected inside of Jesus. And so that he was now John the Baptist because he was preaching repentance like John the Baptist. He said, some say that you're John the Baptist. Others say that you are Elijah. Elijah was a miracle worker. From the Old Testament. And he said, some say that you're Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet that when he preached, he always cried. He said, you're always crying when you preach. So, so maybe it's Jeremiah's spirit that's living inside of you. And he said to them, but, say this with me, who do you say that I am? Because can I tell you something? It doesn't matter what everybody says about me. That doesn't affect me. As a matter of fact, can I let you in on a secret about me that those of you who know me well know really well already unless somebody's talking bad about me somewhere I don't believe I'm doing what God wants me to do it's true it's true God didn't call any of us to be popular he called us to represent him And if you're popular and he's not, there something wrong with him. Right now, our church is leading a charge against some stupidity that the library wants to do. They want, they want a college fraternity of gays, lesbians, homosexuals, LGBTQ, everything that's in there. Okay? They, 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 they listen, and it's sad. Listen to me. Many of you, like me, have relatives that are broken in their human sexuality. My heart goes out to them. Most of those people were abused, molested. Most of them didn't have a daddy. As a matter of fact, 90% of homosexuals never bonded with their father, didn't have a father, and many were molested as children. I, I know, certainly in our area, we are to be sensitive to that if nobody else is. But they want to do a reading... At the public library, for drag queens, to read to three- to six-year-olds. Did you remember 10 years ago they were telling us the government needs to get out of our bedroom? Now they bring in their bedroom to government-paid offices. And as the church, as the light, as the salt, as the voice, sometimes you've got to call Herod out. And so if you live in Lafayette Parish, call your city councilman and let them know. And this is a simple question, and it's so sad. Let me ask you a question. I mean, our church is the largest African-American church in Acadiana. But 3,000 African-Americans will gather at one of our four campuses today. But let me ask you this. How many of you think... Regardless of whatever minority status people try to claim for themselves, and that's what these folks are doing, how many of you think that in Acadiana somewhere last night there was some drag queen reading to three to six-year-olds as they went to bed? You think there was? No, of course not. They just want to do that to make a statement. So when the enemy makes a statement... The Bible says, "When the enemy comes in like a flood, God raises up. God raises up a standard, and as the church, we're the hand and feet of Jesus. If your house is flooding, we want to help you. If, if if there's an injustice being done to you, we want to speak on your behalf. But if you are going to live wickedly, Acadiana has been dedicated to Jesus Christ." It has been dedicated to him. And we are as hand and feet, whether it's the flood or whether it's the enemy sending in a flood. Is that okay? Am I still all right to talk like that in Broussard, Louisiana? <laughs> Some say that you're Jeremiah, one of the other prophets. But he said, who do you say that I am? Because what matters is not what everybody says about you. What matters is what the important people in your life call you. What do the important people in your life call you? What have they named you? So Jesus said, but who do you say? Y'all have been with me for three years. You've seen me walk on water. You've seen me raise the dead. You've seen me make the blind see. You've seen me cause the deaf and dumb to hear. Come on, who do you say that I am? You're the ones that really know me. And Simon Peter answered and said to him, how many of you love Peter? Hey, I don't know if he's a first pope or not, but I'm glad he's in the Bible. Because every time I feel bad about myself, I read about him and I feel better about myself. Every time I think I'm not that good of a Christian, I read it and Peter's going, Lord, if all leave you and deny you, you can count on your boy Pete. I'm with you to the end. People came up, aren't you with Jesus? I don't know who you talk about. Peace Peace out. <laughs> I look at that and I go, whew, I'm glad he's in a Bible. I'm good. I, I'm good. That's why I love the Word of God, because it doesn't hide the humanity of man, nor does it hide the goodness of God revealed through man. But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter said, you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. I've been with you three years, and, and I know who you are. Say that with me, The Christ. See, many people think that's Jesus' last name. It wasn't his last name. It was a sacred title. As a matter of fact, all from the beginning of of, of the, the Hebrew faith, from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all the way through, they believed that one day God would send a deliverer to the earth for the Jews, and he would be the Messiah. His name would be the Christ. It means the anointed one, the one sent and chosen by God. So he said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're not the miracle worker. You're not John the Baptist come back from the dead because you're preaching repentance and calling people out with sin. You are the Christ. You're that one we've waited for. You're that one we prayed for for thousands of years. You're the son of the living God. And listen to what Jesus says to him. Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, which means son of Jonah, not that his daddy owned a bar. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood. What? In other words, you you didn't get that by your own wisdom, going, hmm, let me not think I figured it out. He said, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father in my Father in heaven. Now, let me ask you a question, and it's a simple and obvious one. Do you think if the disciples who'd been with Jesus for three years who left, Boats, if they were fishermen, who left tax collector booths, if that was their occupation as it was for Matthew. Who were doctors who left, like Luke, who left everything to follow Jesus. Do you think if they needed a revelation from God to know who he was, that you may need a revelation from God to find out who you are? Is it possible that you don't know who you are, that wrong people have named you? They called you dumb, stupid, ignorant, old oh, Cajun. You're going to be just like your daddy. You're never going to change. You're like your mom. You can't do that. You'll never become anything. Everybody in our family is like that. Is it possible that there are people that have named us, and today we need a revelation from God to find out who we really are? today's message is I am who you say that I am not who my mama said I remember when my mama looked at me one day and she goes you just like your daddy and I looked at her and I said well mama did did you want me to be like the mailman (laughs) I mean he is my daddy (laughs) holler who else would I be like Who else would I be like? You see, words are powerful. The names you're called are powerful. No matter the language or the tone or the vowels or the consonant or the volume, words are powerful tools for good and evil. As a matter of fact, Proverbs 18.21 tells us this. The power of and death are in what? Do, Do you know if you're packing in here today, there's something more dangerous on you than your weapon? Okay. If today you're here and you're all jacked up, swollen up, look like a cross between me and Dr. Scott Adams. <laughs> okay. And, and you jacked up, and got guns on you. Okay. Legal and illegal. Do, do you know that the most dangerous thing on you It's not your arms, it's not your pistol, it's not your shotgun, it's not your rifle. I've been shot before. Now lest you think, man, Pastor Jacob, you bad, you have been shot. I was shot when I was duck hunting. (laughs) And it was with the 410 at long range and I got the pellet still in my body. So actually, I'm a veteran of war. I've been shot before. I've been, I've been cut with the knife before. Do you know that sometimes I never think about, matter of fact, only when I, I hadn't thought about that, almost ever do I think about those pellets in my leg right here. I almost never think about the times I was cut with the knife. I never, almost never think about those things. But there are words that have been spoken over me I think about every day of my life. There are names I've been called that I think about every single day of my life. You ever heard this? Sticks and stones, May. But can I tell you this? Only a child could say that because they haven't lived long enough to feel the power and the weight and the gravity and the molding, framing posture of words. Of words. Words can hurt far more than sticks and stones. And here's the reason why our words are so powerful. Words are so powerful because you and I were created in the image of in the image of God. Listen to the words of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1 verse 27. So God created man in his own image, in the image of God he created him. And there are no other options. If you got a problem with that, discuss it with him. Okay, Male and female, he created them. That means if God created us in his own image and in his own likeness, then if his words are powerful, my words are powerful. Look at what happens in Genesis 1-3. Then God, Genesis 1-3. All right. Then God said, "Let there be light." What? And there was light. Then God said, "Let the firmament of the midst of the waters let it divide from the waters, from the other waters." And it was done. Genesis one nine. Then God let the waters under the heavens be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. Do you get the picture? God spoke it, and when He spoke it, what? It happened. And if you and I were created in the image of God, then the power to name and to declare is on us. As a matter of fact, even throughout all of history, do you know who the privilege of naming a child belonged to? Who? The father. Do you know why? Because fathers not only give you their last name, but a father's words carry weight and shape and mold you. The brokenness of our culture hasn't come because there are new sins that were never invented before. It's come because of the demise of the family and the fathers no longer being the one that have the privilege of naming and defining their children. Do you get the picture today? God spoke and it happened. Whatever he created and called it and named it and declared it, it became and because we're creating the image of God, then the same power is given to our words. So i got a question for you. If God's spoken word created all the world that you see, let me ask you a question. Who created your world? What did your mama and your daddy and your teachers and your aunts and your uncles I was listening to my dear friend, who I'm privileged to pastor, and one of my favorite preachers, Dr. Darius Daniels. Don't you love Dr. D? Yeah. I was listening to him last week, preach a message, and he, and, and he was talking about, he was, he's getting ready to go to college. And so he was, he was going on a basketball scholarship to Millsap College, and, and then he decided about two years into it that he was called into ministry. And so he said, Well, I think I'm going to apply to, and he began naming some prestigious colleges. And his aunts and uncles that were around said, You can't go there. You, 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 you can't go and do that. And he said, His father, who was a minister that was typically very quiet, stood up and he said, Wait a minute. He said, Don't you tell that boy he can't go anywhere. He said, not only is he going to go to seminary, he's going to get his doctorate degree, and he's going to be the first Daniels with a doctorate degree from an amazing seminary. So when he went to Princeton, it was a surprise to everybody but his daddy. The weight of those words. And he said, I look back on many of the words that my father spoke over me that I don't remember. He said, but it was that moment that what he said, though he'd said many words, it became a defining moment. John 4, 24 says this, God is spirit, and only by the power of the spirit can people worship God. Listen to what Jesus said in John 6, 63, what gives life is God's Spirit, human power is of no use at all. The words that I have speak speak to you bring God's life-giving spirit. Do you get it? God is a spirit. You and I were created in the image of God. We're spirit. And the words that we speak, that he speaks to us, are spirit. So there is spiritual power in every one of our words, just as Proverbs says, the life and death is in the power of the tongue. So just as God's words have created power, so do our words. So what do these powerful truths tell us? I'm creating God's image. God's words are powerful and creative. My words are are powerful and creative. God created all we see with the spoken word. And ultimately, your world was created by someone's words. As a matter of fact, I like to say it like this. Some of you are here today because of what people spoke over you that you would be, and some of you used the words of people that said you wouldn't be something to be a ladder to step on to get to where God called you to be. Mm -hmm. You see, the seeds of many of our pleasures and pains are rooted in words that have been spoken over us. So, Pastor, what do I do if the word's spoken over me didn't agree with what God says about me. And in reality, this applies to all of us. This applies to all of us. Because the truth is, many of you, like me, grew up with parents that were just broken. They were just broken. It wasn't an issue of them not loving you. They didn't know how to love themselves. What does the Bible say? Love your neighbor as? Well, suppose your neighbor's jacked up. Suppose your neighbor doesn't know how to love himself. How in the world can he love you? One of the great things I had to reconcile as an adult. How many of you came from kind of a jacked up family? Raise your hand. How many of you, when I say kind of, that's really kind? Okay, do, do you know, if you come from a really jacked up family, which, which many of us here did, and you didn't, you, you know what I mean? Uh, you didn't plan on that. That wasn't your choice. You know, we've all seen people look at their children and go, we planned you and you and you, but now you, you was an accident. I always want those kids to jump up and say, you know what? So are you. I was supposed to be born to the rich, healthy people across town. I don't know how I got stuck here. (laughs) Here's the reality for you and me. We live in a broken world, and many of our parents were broken themselves. And they did the best, many of them that they could, those that tried. But some of them, that was still very shattered and broken. And it wasn't that their parents didn't love you, or your parents didn't love you, or your caretakers didn't love you. It was that they didn't know how to care for themselves. How could they care for you? So, Pastor, what do I do if that happened? You go back to the Creator, the one who created you. You see, only He knows the purpose and the plan. You see, the reason I read the Word of God is not because a chapter a day keeps the devil away. It's not because reading the Bible is like spiritual vitamins and if I take enough vitamins that when the devil comes around I can ward off all of the evil. The reason I read the Word of God, look right here. And some of you men are going to get mad at me so I'm going to tell you in advance. Okay? Don't drink Haterade while I tell this story. I'm a romanticist, okay? I, I I am. I still have coffee with my wife almost every morning. I still leave her love notes. I would have left her one this morning, but she was up having coffee with me. I'm usually gone by this time, preaching one well, of the eight o'clock services. So so I got to tell her that I love her and kiss her before I left. Usually I leave a note with the flower right in front of it and her coffee fixed just right and everything, which takes about twenty minutes and all of that. So I kept every letter we've ever had since we dated. As a matter of fact, we, we, when, when, she was, when she went to finish her last year of Bible college, we just got engaged, and so we made an agreement. I was pastoring a church that we wouldn't talk, but we would send letters back and forth so we wouldn't be a distraction to each other. So you know what we did? We overnighted letters back and forth. And then we overnighted cassette tapes. Oh, Yeah. Some of you young people, you don't know what that is. It's this round thing like this. Okay, this round thing like this that you could record stuff on. And we would send that back and forth to each other. Really looking back on it, I should have just gone ahead and called her. It would have been a lot cheaper and a whole lot easier. But I wouldn't have those things. So I have every one of them in in this this brown Ziploc container. I have them all. So I've been married January 15th. It'll be 37 years. So there are some days... There are some days where, where I will take, and like if it's you know, an anniversary or a difficult, I'll take and I'll open up one of those letters and leave it out for her. Oh, there's some days when I'm in trouble. <laughs> Come on, holler at me, man. <laughs> some days when I'm in trouble and, and I, I'll, I'll leave out. Why? Because I want to remind her. I love you, honey. I don't know what I'd do without you. You're my dream. <laughs> perfume, perfume, perfume. Right. I, 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 I want to I do that. But do you know what letters are? Letters are thoughts written down on paper. Do, do you know what the Word of God is? It's God's thoughts about you written down on paper. So when I read God's word, you know what it's doing? It's telling me who my real 23 in me is. My sister asked me the other day, she goes, I'm doing 23 in me. Why don't you do yours? I went, I'm scared of the other 22 relatives that I do know. I'm afraid to know me. And the other ones. The word of God is my real ancestry.com. The word of God is my real 23 in me. The Word of God is my true DNA because I was not created in the image of my parents. Eternally, I was created in the image of my Father God. You see, God formed us in the beginning when he breathed into the dust of the earth and he made man a living soul. Satan deformed man through Adam and Eve in the garden. And now God wants to transform us. God formed us. Satan deformed us. Now God wants to conform us and transform us into the image of Christ. How does he do that, Pastor? How does God transform us? How does he take all the things that were spoken over me? How do I get them all erased from all that's in here, all the millions of times that I've heard that and thought that, and the worries and anxieties and fears and things spoken, both good and bad, if they don't agree with God's Word, how do I do that? You do that with the Word of God and the Spirit of God. The Word of God and the Spirit of God. Say that with me. The? And the? I like what Joyce Meyer says. All Word, you dry up. All all Spirit, you blow up. But the Word and the Spirit, you grow up. All Word... You dry up. All spirit, but the word and the spirit, you grow up. Romans 12, 2 says this. Stop imitating the ideas and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly, say it loud, transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you, this will empower you to discern God's will as you live. How many of you want to live a beautiful life? Look at what Romans 12 to the Amplified Version says, but do not be conformed to this world any longer with this superficial values and customs, but be by the renewing of your mind. By the renewing of your mind. You see, how many have ever been given a phone or a computer or a laptop or something that, that belonged to somebody else before but it's still in good condition? Raise your hand. What's the first thing you have to do? Find out everything they looked at. No, what is the the first thing you have to do? Delete everything that was there before. You see, I am spirit, so when I am born again, I go from being a son of Adam to being a son of God, a daughter of Adam to being a daughter of God. Spiritually, I go from being spiritually dead to spiritually alive. Answer it and tell them if they hurry, they can get to the 11:30. Okay, the spirit, the spirit. Watch this. So I go from spiritual death to spiritual life when I'm born again, because everyone's born spiritually dead since Adam and Eve all died with Adam. But watch this. But I have a soul. I am a spirit, created image of God. But I have a soul. Say that with me. I am a spirit. I have a soul. My soul is my mind, will, and emotions. My mind, will, and emotions. So when you are born again, your spirit goes from spiritual death to spiritual life. You go from being a son and daughter of Adam to a son and daughter of God. But you still have your mind, will, and emotions. That's everything that was programmed in there before. That's what your mama said about you, your daddy said about you, the people that told you were dumb, you were fat, you were skinny, you were stupid, you couldn't do anything, you never do anything, you had no daddy, you had no mama, nobody. All of those things are right there, and you've got to begin to delete them. How do you do that? By renewing your mind with the Word of God. By renewing your mind with with the word of God why remember God's words are spirit I'm spirit and the more that I renew my mind with the word of God Jesus said you are cleansed to the word which I have spoken to you God's word washes me God's word is like bleach in my mind it erases what's wrong and it restores back the purity that God put there from the beginning are you with me some of you need to delete some people from your life. And if you can't delete them, you at least need to identify them by who they really are. Put their names on your phone, okay, for what they represent. So when their phone starts ringing, you look up, Nasty Nikki's calling me. <laughs> Must be Saturday night. She's going out to party. You know Nasty Nikki. <laughs> Okay, somebody told me, said, Pastor, you shouldn't say, it. okay, naughty Nikki. Okay. Hey, hey, the phone rang, drunk Donald calling me. At least identify them by who they really are. If you can't delete them, identify them. Hey, there's a girl that goes to Midtown. Her name is Nikki. And I didn't know this, but while I was preaching this sermon, everybody was laughing and looking at her. Okay? So she went on Facebook after the message and said, Hello, my name is Nikki. I'm not who Pastor Jacob says that I am. Her husband's name is Larry. Pastor Nick told me, she told him, she said, If my name is Nasty Nikki, your name is Lusty Larry. (laughs) So maybe that's it too. I don't know. (laughs) How does this transformation happen to you? Let me give it to you real quick as we close. Number one, reject what was spoken over you. Reject what was spoken. Delete what was spoken over you. Reject it. Reject it. Clear it out. Don't let someone who doesn't know who they are ever try to tell you who you are. Secondly, trust that the one who made you knows more about you than you know about yourself. If he said you can, then you can, no matter what somebody else said about you. No matter what somebody else says about you. Trust that the one who knows you and knows you the most and made you and created you and knew what was inside of you when he made you knows who you are. Number three, Begin to align your thoughts and words with God's thoughts and words. Begin to align yourself, your thoughts and words, with God's thoughts and words. And now let me give you a powerful truth. Are you ready? This is so good. I'm getting the three songs before I ever even say it. Here it is. Watch. Listen carefully. Whenever my words come into alignment... With God's words, whenever my will comes in alignment to God's will, it releases God's will into my life. For instance, does God want to forgive me because he loves me? So when I say, Father, forgive me, what does he do? He forgives me so that my thoughts and words come in agreement with his thoughts and words and what's released to me? Forgiveness. When I ask him, Lord, would you you help me? Help me, I'm feeling weak. Would you help me, Lord? I can't do without you. The Bible says in our weaknesses he's made strong so my thoughts and words come in agreement with his thoughts and words and it releases his will to my life. That's how you are forgiven. That's how you are born again. That's how you are healed. When your thoughts and words come into alignment with God's thoughts and words, it releases God's will to your life. Number three, or number four, excuse me, surround yourself with individuals who remind you of who you're supposed to be and not who you used to be. Listen. Anybody ever been around somebody that smokes cigarettes and you don't smoke? Raise your hand. How do you come out smelling? How do your clothes smell? Smoky. Look at me. There is not one human being alive that is strong enough to overcome the influence of people they constantly choose to surround themselves with. There is not one person alive, not one. The Bible says, don't be deceived. Bad company corrupts good people. What does that mean? That if you get around smoky people that are smoking, you're going to smell smoky. And I don't care if you smoke or not, secondhand smoke kills too. Secondhand sin kills too. Oh, that was good. I never thought about that. Why didn't I say that before? Y'all bring stuff out of me I never thought about before. Genesis 2, 7, as we close. Then the Lord God formed, that is, it created man of the dust of the ground, and breathed into the nostrils the breath of life, and man became. So God breathed, and man became. Look at what 2 Timothy 3 says. All Scripture is... Do you know what that means? God, this is so good. Every time I read God's word, God breathes on me and starts forming new things inside of me. When I read faith, he breathes faith inside of me and my faith gets stronger. When I'm discouraged and I read his word, he breathes hope on me and hope grows where it was despair. When I am discouraged and I read his word, he breathes courage inside of me. And all of a sudden, his joy becomes my strength. God's word is eternal. God's word is powerful. God's word is never changing. That's why the devil hates it when you read it. He hates it when you memorize it. It defeats him, it destroys him. It takes the distorted view that he scarred all of us with and it begins to give us 20 20 vision. It's God's word, it's powerful, it's eternal. It's eternal. Today, who named you? Who named you? Someone said, you might not be who you think you are, but you certainly are what you think. Who named you? Who told you you couldn't do that? Who told you that was true? You say, Pastor, why why are you so passionate about this? Why are you so passionate? Can I tell you why? For years, we've handed these little things out at church called the 40 IMs. How many of you have ever got a 40 IM? Raise your hand. Okay. You know, when, when I share my story, how many of you have heard my testimony? Okay. When, when I share my story, people always ask two questions. Number one, how did you get to Acadiana? And the answer to that is I was going to stop race rides at Northside High School when I was 19 years old, when they were able to ride between the blacks and the whites. And my pastor from Houston told me... People say, Well, how did you get called to ministry? And I tell them, that I came to Christ, and a white pastor in the Mexican ghetto of Houston led me to Christ. I lived in the black ghetto till I was nine, found I wasn't black, I moved to the Mexican ghetto. And a white pastor raised me for the next 10 years like his own son. For the first four and a half of those years, three and a half of those years, I lived in my mama's bar. I served beer every day when I came home from school. The bar was joined to our house, it was a duplex house, half of the house. We lived in, the other part was a bar. And when the, the bar was slow, there were back wall with pictures of unclothed women, this big, centerfolds all over. And when we weren't busy, I would take scriptures and walk out in the front parking lot of my mama's bar saying, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. For I am persuaded neither life nor death nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor hype nor death nor any other created thing will separate me from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus my Lord. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, to give you a future and a hope and you will find me when you seek me with your whole heart. And I would quote those promises and yes I was living in a bar and yes it was nasty and yes there were things going all around me but something inside of me was spirit it was live, it was eternal and it was about to change everything around me because something was changing on the inside of me many of you don't need a different job you don't need a different house and you don't need a different mate you need to start believing differently about who you have been named who you have been called You need to let the people that don't matter erase their names from you and begin to call yourself who God says that you are. For I am. I'm not who my mama said I was. She told me I liked you better when you were on drugs when I started preaching to her. I'm not who my daddy said I was. The first time he heard me preach, he said, you need to be a comedian. That's a joke. But there was a pastor who said... There's a call of God on your life, Jacob. God's going to use you. No one in your family graduated from high school. No one in your family is Your daddy's a waiter. Your mama's a barber. God has something for you. And then I got introduced to that powerful word. And I found my truth in.